Gmail.com podcast. This is episode 54, The Devil Rides Out. You can check out our website, www.goldenagehorror.com, or stay tuned after the podcast for more information and show notes. Uh, so The Devil Rides Out is a movie from 1968 uh, by Hammer uh, Productions. It's uh, written by Richard Matheson, directed by Terrence Fisher, stars Christopher Lee, Charles Gray, Nike, Aragi, and Leon Green. Hello, Andrew. Hello. How do you? How do you? I gotta get better close to the microphone. How do you do? Good. Good. You want to give us a, a plot summary of the Devil Rides Out? Sure. So, um, Christopher Lee and Rex, Nicholas Duke de Larouche, Duke de Larouche, Richelieu, 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 Richelieu. Um, they come back for some kind of like for some meeting, some reunion, probably like a cost reunion. Mm-hmm. They, but their friend Simon can't go because he's having an astronomer's meeting. But the astronomer's meeting is actually a Satanist cultist meeting because they find chickens in his uh, in his observatory. Mm-hmm. So they kidnap him. Then they also kidnap a woman later because they think she's a Satanist, but she's not yet really. So they kidnap her so she doesn't become one. But then they keep going back, and then the Satanist comes to their house and they tries to control them mentally to kill the people who are watching them because he can do that. Then he gets kicked out for trying to for mind controlling someone. This is all while Christopher Lee kind of comes and goes. He's like. This is what's going on. Then you're like, I have to do research, and he leaves. Mm-hmm. And he comes back in. I just discovered this. I have to do research, and he walks away. Then he just leaves again. So then there's a circle, and a spider comes, and wind comes, and the angel of death with a goat bat or like a horse bat comes. Oh, they interrupt a Satanist ritual in the woods, and they throw across it the devil, and he blows up into smoke. And then there's a circle, and the mind control comes revenge. But then it kills Tanith, which is the woman who was going to be Satanist, but then wasn't. But then they go to the church that is the guy's house, and because they, they kidnapped the niece's daughter, they went to their niece's house at some point. That was like their staging, like up, you know, their staging operation. Uh huh. Yep. Their theater. So they kid. So then the Satanist kidnapped her daughter. So they go to kill her, but then. Tanith, who is alive, also because they had um, Tanith died, but then Christopher Lee, using good god magic, resurrected Tanith's spirit into the niece's body. Christopher Lee's niece, that is. So then they go there, but then she talks, and then all the Satanists back off, and then they get the daughter, but then they say, they repeat a, like a holy phrase that Christopher Lee said earlier, which burns out all the Satanists and makes them go back in time so that Tanith is back alive. But the angel of death comes for someone. It comes for MacArthur, MacArthur, Makata, Makata, yeah. And then everyone's good, and God is good. God is great. And then that's it. That's the movie. Sounds right to me. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is based on the uh, novel of the same name by Dennis Waitley, the semi-famous uh, British uh, writer of thrillers, many of them with occult overtones and spy overtones. I think uh, he's a He's, uh, Speaking of spy overtones, mm-hmm. did you know that one of the uncredited Satanists in his set, in his penultimate role is a supervisor from the Prisoner? No, this guy. Yeah, I recognize that guy from uh, the movie. Yeah, he was also in the Prisoner. Okay, as an actor. Yeah, he's a supervisor. I thought he was like a script supervisor on the Prisoner. Okay, production assistant. 
No. No, he's the, <laughs> he's a character in The Prisoner. Well, I was The Prisoner for many years. And... Well, he's not the blue ball. Yeah. <laughs> Is he the white ball? He's not the white ball either. <laughs> he's not any of the chess pieces. He's not the... Wait. Bl- Is he a free man? No, he's not a free man. He's supervising all the also not free men. So he's not a prisoner. No, no, he's just in the prisoner. <laughs> he's not number two. But he's not number one. He's not Patrick McGowan. He's not any of the guys in the weird black and white mask. He's not the guy who's like the knees bone connected to the neck bone, hand bone connected to the neck bone. He's in that episode where it's like a flashback to back in England. Here the word. Um. I think that show is watch, worth watching just for that that last episode's wild, and I love it. Yeah, it's something else. <laughs> I'll say that. So, what did you think of the Devil Rides Out? What did I think of the Devil Rides Out? That's a great question. I think there's good stuff about the Devil Rides Out. <laughs> Rides Out. I think there's a lot of. Um, it seems unwarranted of like the cult favorite. Yeah, uh, that it seems like like granted we watched the extras that were on the (laughs) granted this is coming from the extras on the DVD. Yeah, but it's got the Blu-ray. It does it does seem to be considered one of the better Hammer movies. I maybe that's a low bar to pass. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I can only really remember two other two other Hammer movies that I've seen in the past like five years, and I think Dracula. This one, the first Dracula one. Uh, I've seen some of the other later Draculas, and this movie is definitely better than. Uh, 80, God, what is it? I think it's Taste the Blood of Dracula <laughs> and Dracula 80, 1972. Both those movies aren't very good. Um, but the first Dracula movie, The Horror of Dracula, was excellent. And uh, so is The Mummy with Christopher Lee as The Mummy. Also quite excellent. I haven't seen I haven't seen that one. Yeah, we should watch that at some point. But the um, this movie is... Well, to be fair, Dracula has purely... Chris Freely and Peter Cushing. Yeah. It's got both guys. Uh, I think, yeah. And so does The Mummy. Probably as opposite forces. But I, I think I agree with you that this movie has good stuff and bad stuff. and Or good stuff and stuff that's like less impressive, I guess. It feels like bad Corman. I guess it doesn't really ever get... There's nothing about this movie that's really bad. Right. It's just... Like I, it's just not as impressive as, it, as it's made out to be, I guess. Right. It just feels... It's that era, It's that kind of like painfully average. Yeah, there's a lot of average stuff. I mean, there were parts where that are better. That's better than average. I think Christopher Lee's better than average. I would say that Charles Gray, can as Makata, can occasionally be better than average. I think that the summoning of Baphomet is better than average, and I think that the guy in the horse is better than average. <laughs> I think that immediately precedes the guy in the horse with the spider. No good. <laughs> Falls more into the average camp, I would say. I think their their Baphomet was like infinitely better than the previous our previous Baphomet, the Blood and Saints Claw. Yeah, which looked terrible. Mm-hmm. This guy looked great, honestly. I mean, it's just like a shirtless dude in a gray goat head, goat head, whatever. You know, it works. Yeah, it looks the way you want it to look. Uh, it delivers. It delivers on the what you get is what you what you want. What you get. Um, He's only there for one second, then they throw a cross at him and he disappears. And I've read about I read about fifty pages of the actual novel that this is based on, and I I think this movie manages to be infinitely more socially progressive than the novel. <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was lacking in the. 
I just so, feel like I just feel like the the novel, like even I didn't finish it, and I, I didn't drop it because it was like um, it was just bad. It, yeah, I didn't drop it because it was offending my sensibilities. I dropped it because I found it kind of difficult to read and not rewarding to read. Like right. there are things that are difficult to read that are like you feel like you're getting something out of them, right? And this, I was just like, this is just hard to read because it's not very good, right? It's not like oh well, I can. This seems like it was made out of it. Made you know, this is from its time, but I can see the important details of it that. Yeah, inform future generations. Like there's many the older, like yeah. I mean, obviously, just books from the 1930s or old, earlier are harder to read, just because they did different things. But like Edgar Allan Poe is much denser than Dennis Wheatley. <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe is much also much better than Dennis Wheatley, so you can get a lot more out of reading right one of his short stories than you. Try. You might giggle when he ejaculates, but <laughs> it doesn't make the writing well, hard yeah. to read. I mean, Poe does a thing where he's like uh, cramming in every because he was just very impressed with himself so he's going to cram in every uh illusion and reference to you know roman history or suppose like one of those real loser guys it's like at least i'm smarter than everybody else yeah that, that was kind of his deal <laughs> he was you know a, a largely dismissed by uh critics at his time and that just fueled his his sort of sense that i'm smarter than everyone else <laughs> nobody understands me nobody understands me that is his whole, just whole, but that's that's post whole thing, and it's his whole life sort of led up to that side attitude. But that's also we're talking about Des Wheatley here. Yeah, we're talking about Des Wheatley, who I assume has a similar thing because he's. Are you sure he seems like a very like cram him up pulp author? He's not. Well, you I mean he was a. He wrote thrillers. Okay. They weren't really pulps, so they were they were legit bestsellers. And the, not like in the pulp, like like these these were like in the bookstores, like not magazine rack type okay these are like in print for years and um that sort of thing and he was a he was a member of the upper class wow he was like a he was a he was in the, apparently he was in the i think he's i think he was in the military i guess i i still like maybe i use pulp as like the go-to derogatory term but you know the kind of like very mass like i put out a book every other every other year yeah well i mean no his books weren't um they don't. They're not belabored novels. They're just just churning them out. He's not. They're not literary fiction, but they're. I wouldn't call them pulps in the same way either. Because although they do have sort of a pulpy feel at times, but there's like the adventure novels that aren't don't stick around. They're pulps, like the shadow novels or yeah, something like that. Like those are what I think are as pulp novels. Whereas Devil Rides Out was a bestseller that you know everyone read and. Even more respectable people maybe would have read it. Okay, maybe maybe the term is just bad, bad novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the terms sort of whatever you want to call it, I guess. But we're not talking about the novel here. No, we're talking about the film. And uh, yeah, um, we did uh, indulge in the special features, so we're brimming with details about the movie. I'm, I'm literally it's overflow. I know you have to keep picking them off the floor. Yeah. It's make it's a real mess with everything. Um, I don't know that we've watched a movie that's explicitly like Jesus versus Satan as this one. This is really heavy on Jesus versus Satan. This is very. <laughs> the final shot is like a after they burn all the Satanists down in the church, like a cross shows up and it, there's a soft focus. There's a nice, nice, there's a like a spotlight on the cross mm-hmm. and they're all standing there. Like, thank you for Jesus. Did Kill Baby Kill have like? christian stuff in it i think a lot of the movies probably had some christian stuff but like nothing was like as overt as like 
God is good. Mm. Like there were times where, you know, clearly like good Christians were in opposition to the devil. Yeah. But not in the sense that like Christian Christianity is good, a force of good. Right. Usually it's like an, an opposing force. Yeah. And, um, uh, the Kim Newman, uh, um, interview which also said that which also said that the book was kind of bad also the book was kind of bad um he he pointed out that the black cat had some similarities to this and the same and there's like black mass scenes shared between the two right um i'm trying to think of other movies that we watched with black mass scenes we watch a movie called black mass i don't think so watch black sunday okay maybe i was so i don't think i have black mass scenes in it blood say it's blood dude yeah uh, the Wicker Man sort of does. Not really a black mass, but a... A cult mass. It's got sort of a religious ceremony. It's weird that for some of the movie called The Devil Rides Out, and it's so clearly like about the devil, there's a lot of goat and pentagram symbology mm-hmm. that they invoke Osiris and Set. Yeah, I think it was because they were mixing like... Um, like probably stuff they had legitimately picked up. I don't know if it's from the novel or if it's from the script, but, you know, Aleister Crowley, a lot of his actual writing is um, uh, syncretism, which is like sort of the alignment of all these different traditions. Right. So, you know, I mean, he's just sort of like mashing everything together to sort of, including the Catholic mass, which is like the primary thing that all these things are drawing from. Yeah. And just sort of like coloring it with all these different other mythological traditions and then inverting it in the... Uh, certain subversive ways but you know by by it actually comes back into what we talked about i believe uh last week with the with the sort of um uh the golden bow and how that book was controversial because it presented christianity as one of many um like religions oriented along death and rebirth of a of a sacred king figure right like it's they're almost like they're almost iterative yeah or religion as a reboot right and that's the sort of the same uh, is that does that make like um mormonism like the eu uh i don't quite follow <laughs> your metaphor yeah well if you think of it as like a franchise and each religion is like keeps rebooting these concepts over and over oh, again the expanded universe, the expanded like the universe. European Union. no no the expanded like, universe is <laughs> <laughs> the book of mormon part of the expanded universe are you saying it's like some kind of third generation league of nations like I, I was, I was, where it's I was like losing on the iteration that's that's the book where like the a moon falls on christ and kills him and there's a horse saint well the expanding universe is dead now so what's well, being rebuilt no it's dead there's no worse they're building a new one no that's that's a new star wars canon <sighs> something different andrew yeah so but what, what are my star wars video games my star wars comics now then it's the new Star Wars canon. Oh, the it's new... It's nothing to do with the Expanded Universe. So the they're NSW, they're NSWU... They're completely different things. So they're no longer... So you wouldn't say that those works are expanding on the known Star Wars fictional universe. I don't think it's even possible to do that. <laughs> it's so big right now? I don't understand the question and I will not respond to it. <laughs> so... I'm asking though, is like... My browser... My Star Wars browser game... <laughs> I play on Facebook. Yeah, that's that's. Is it canon? Absolutely. Okay. Um, is it G canon? 
or is it? No, it's B cannon. What's B stand for? Bad. <laughs> okay. I don't know. They seems weird to go so strictly about that B cannon, but and just acknowledge it like that. What are you checking out? Just a guy on a list of stuff. Okay. Our list? We don't have a list. Do we? No. Um. So can I? Can we talk? Can I talk about Rex? Yeah, talk about Rex. Rex, what a so, piece of shit. That guy we've met like thirty times so far. So yeah, well, Rex. I mean, this is like one of the more extreme examples of Rexing it up. I think, all, <laughs> but I mean, like he really, Doctor War. This is like now. I guess this is. I think I. I want to make the case that this is something slightly different than what we usually. Usually, what we see is the is the male lead is like completely as like an ineffectual non-entity. Right. I feel like Rex is not actually a non-entity. <laughs> He's 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 a, he's a, sort of this classic like, if if Christopher Lee's Duke de Richelieu is Sherlock Holmes, then Rex is clearly Doctor Watson because he's sort of like supposed to be the audience surrogate who's like Satanism. What's well, that? I never. <laughs> but Rex uh, has like this takes like is so aggressively swashbuckly that he like. He helps. He, he, he helps the Satan. He helps hurts the Satanist before he hurts him. He he. He does land a few good punches, though. That one, that one where he rides uh, on the car. A couple of wind, good wind-ups. Yeah, yeah no, I know. Rex is like an entirely new class of um, <laughs> male lead type character. But he does have that same hair, that same jawline. Yeah, yeah he is. Well, he's just like very like blandly handsome. Yeah. Nowadays, he would be playing the role of Spider-Man. He'd be Chris. <laughs> Chris Spider-Man. <laughs> well, they don't. They don't. Well, maybe well, Spider-Man's aren't as beefy. Okay, sorry. He'd be Eddie Brock. Yeah, he'd be Eddie Brock. Well, I'm saying that's that's the modern iteration. Yeah, the modern the, the beef is the, the Tom beef. Holland, Andy now, Garfield. Now, now they're beyond. Toby Maguire. Yeah. All those like Spider-Man that kind of more or less look the same. Fair, yeah. I mean, have a very similar like it's you know that it's just the male lead look shifts to fit the times. Mm-hmm. It's you know gone. It's gone down a decade or so in terms of age. No longer are there forty year old men running around everywhere, right. yeah. starring in all every movie. But enough of what were you talking about? I don't remember. Oh, like the the classic male lead. Yeah, he, his his one motivation is like he just wants to have sex with this lady he just met. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's very nineteen uh, sixties, and it's it's their approach to the romance. In that he, <laughs> in that he he pursues her with very little reciprocation, and then she falls in love with him at the end. Yeah, well. It was easier for the men of the 1960s to understand the world through that prism. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, if I just pursue her doggedly enough, she'll have to say yes. Yeah. If I, out of fear, if out of nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> and with those society to back them up in those fears. Yeah, because at the end, I'm like, she's like, I for the man that I love, I'm like, if this was a more serious movie that I that I liked, I would be up, I would be pshawing at this moment. <laughs> for, it's un, for my disgusted... I have issues. I have feelings on that about like on a, like very clearly plot driven romance, and like if you're just gonna have it, why have it at all? You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think every movie made before nineteen, I don't know. Every movie, has Maybe, to, every movie period. I was gonna to, say has to have a romance, or it's not a movie, right? And it has to be one of the three rewards you get at the end. Yeah, ask, scratch, or cash. <laughs> the hero gets them all. Yeah. <laughs> Ass in that he kicks Satan's. Yeah. Grass in that he's got a nice brand new yard to celebrate on. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, like that's literally the grass they mean, for sure. And cash is in he's super loaded now. And with all those things, he'll spend it with his lovely new wife, whom he had three scenes with in five lines. 
So yeah, I mean that that brings us to one of the I think the weak spots of the movie, is especially the special effects or lack thereof. Yeah, I mean apparently they're unfinished, which I don't understand how that happens. No, he's, I think there was only one that was unfinished. Well, the, he said he well the guy on the the DVD man. No, we've got the name of Jeremy Jonathan. Jeremy DVD. Jeremy <laughs> Jeremy DVD. Jeremy DVD. He uh, he said that the guy couldn't finish the special effects. He didn't say he couldn't finish the one special effect. Which actually looked better than the rest of them, honestly. Yeah. Well, they clearly had money for like the costume. And I guess the blue screen didn't really matter that much. Right. I think the blue screen ended up looking better. Like a missing blue screen ended up looking better than a big fake spider or like the clumsy. I mean, to be fair, that wasn't their fault. Like a lot of cars looked bad back then. Mm-hmm. That's just how driving scenes looked. Yeah. And I, don't think, I think the driving scenes were fine. They looked probably, I think they looked equivalent to movies that probably cost more money that came out at the same time. Yeah. I think it looked really bad when the screen was fogged over. Like some reason it just made everything else look a lot worse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When he uses Satan powers to fog the yeah, windshield. to turn it white. It's good to see. You didn't like that? No, I'm thinking about how Christopher Lee used... Well, he didn't fog. It was the bad guy who just fogged the screen. Well, no, but Christopher... Christopher Lee only clears screens because he's good. <laughs> Christopher Lee... Got angel magic. They both used hypnosis. Yep. They both called upon Osiris. Uh-huh. Yeah, but different positions. They both used circles. Yeah. Well, Chris really used circles to keep stuff out. Okay. And uh, Mikado used stuff to keep circles to keep stuff in. Okay. And to keep stuff out. They both like chanted in old languages. Yeah, but diff- same old language. But they both used blood in their spell casting. Yeah, because blood is powerful. Blood is the life. All I'm saying is a thin line. I suppose while we had a lull here, I should break into this, cor- this correspondence that I've received. Oh, you've got you've got letters. I've got a letter. <laughs> Let's see what I got here. It was direct. It was addressed to us from the heart of Egypt. I didn't, I didn't see any postmarks on there. Though. <laughs> I didn't show you the postmark <laughs> side. <clears throat> oh, it's from. It's written in crayon. <laughs> He says it's from the desk of Professor Willywood. 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 Please don't disrespect him. Hello, everybody. It's <laughs> Professor Willywood. I've got a scary story for you. Please. What if mommy took all your crayons? <laughs> Dear gentlemen, I hope my story reaches you from the hearts of the ancient Egyptian tombs. I for- Please forgive me for the crayons. It's all my men had at the time. <laughs> That says mommy, not man. Does it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I think it says mommy. Go on, go on with your... I think it says with, mommy. Go with your correspondence. Sorry. No, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I treated you rudely, and for that I apologize. That's all right. He's like, I listened, to, um, I, re- I listened to your most recent episode, and I have to say that, unfortunately, or fortunate for some, Matthew's outbursts about other sponsors once again... Have netted us yet another sponsor. So from the crypts of the mummy's tomb, I have enclosed a, a special fire file for you, delivered from the desk of Frankencrime. Frankencrime—that's the one where Frankenstein comes as a crime piece for a dollar, right? 
Oh, no, it's a USB drive. Well, let me see what we got here. <laughs> click, click. <laughs> oh, it looks like it's an MP3. Okay. It says... Uh, let's see. Uh, it says, Chapter 1 Audiobook Excerpt. Let me, let me play this audio real quick. Frankencrime. Book 1. Fire bad. City dark. Chapter 1. Everything has to start. Frankencrime awoke like he did every morning, hung over and half entombed within his faulty Murphy bed. Bracing himself against the flimsy wall, Frankencrime pushed the bed down to its proper sleeping position with the weight of his massive body. Slamming the bed shut with one arm, he dragged himself over to his closet of a bathroom to tidy up. A quick examination of his scars lighting his face revealed no new surprises, and with a swish of mouthwash, John Frankencrime is ready to meet the new day. Fumbling through his messy desk, Frankencrime finds a full bottle of cheap swamp scotch. Moving to pour himself a little hair of the dog, he often said to down the whole pooch. As he finishes the bottle, there's a firm knock at the door. Tossing the empty bottle, Frank Cram composes himself and utters, grunts, Enter! The door swings open to reveal a sign for John Frankencrime, private eye, followed shortly by a tall figure in matching red raincoat and hat on legs that would make the gods weep had they not abandoned this city long ago. Name's a bit on the nose, ain't it? The woman said, closing the door behind her. Frank Crime gets that comment all too often, and usually returns with a matching fist of his own. <laughs> but the day's too early and his wall's too light for that sort of thing. Sit! Frank Crime grunts, motioning to a disproportionately well-kept chair in the front of his desk. The woman sits, her two beautiful beams of perfection disappearing behind the desk. I really, I really ought to move that chair back, John thinks. Problem. Frankencrime begins before he's cut off. So here's the thing. I need you to look into my husband. Or should I say, future ex-husband. Man name. He goes by George Bandersnatch, and I think he's sneaking around on me. He's out all night and never tells me where he's been, says it's none of my business. Mmm. Man bad. Exactly. Now I want you to get me some definitive that he's got some side piece. And if you happen to catch him in some other illegal-like activity that gets him busted, well, you wouldn't hear me complaining. Pay now! Frank Crime grunts, pointing to a, a, a sign on his desk that says, Cheating spouse, $100 per day. <laughs> Missing persons, $150 per day. Information, $250 per day. Other inquiries subject to negotiation. All jobs require $50 down payment. The woman reaches into her purse and hands Frank Crime a crumbled piece of paper. He looks it over and sees a man with wide, bulging eyes staring at a pair of disembodied legs and the words, All bear, no fare. Down payment is waived for any customer showing their legs. John Frank Crime, Private Eye, 1823 East Broadway, Old Frankfurt, New Germany. <laughs> Frank Crime snaps snaps back to his impoverished reality as he hears the woman from the doorway say, I'll be back in three days to see what you found. I wrote the address of George's favorite haunt on the back of the coupon. And with the information succinctly delivered, the woman is nothing more than the sound of her heels carried by her powerful legs down the hall. Frank Crime turns the coupon to see 
The Wolf Den, 41 Wagner Street. He slips the coupon into his empty wallet and heads out into the cold streets of old Frankfurt. <laughs> so that um, that's the end of the MP3 file. So also attached to this is a little text document that says, if you head to frankcrime.com slash coupon and enter offer code Dem Golden Legs, you can get the first the first fi- the first book in the <laughs> Frank and Crime series, the first audiobook, Fire Bad City Dark, for free. That's once again. There's also if you just go to frankcrime.com, there will also be in the top right, you know, a little micro click on the microphone and just enter offer code Dem Golden Legs. To also that will also work. Either way, we get the big buck daddy bucks and you get a nice sterling copy of what is, I believe, a classically revered horror noir series. No outbursts this time? Nope. Mind you didn't let you go with this one. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so I was guarded the whole time. That every three played complete without <laughs> without interruption. Do you want me to do you want me to mercilessly Shit on everything? Do you want me to be a negative Nancy? No, but I'm so used to it. <laughs> I was like, it's just it's a it's a personality flaw that I'm I seek to I, and I'm constantly working. Listen, on. I know you want to talk about fancy boxes where you get bullshit in your mail every month. <laughs> <laughs> just want to sell nature box or whatever. But I don't geek, geek crate. What's it called? Geek crate. Offer offer code. You're a dumb asshole. <laughs> get you twenty percent off your first box full of Joker memorabilia. Free face tattoos <laughs> and an entire sense of self worth in every box. But now that we've got our sponsorships out of the way, where were we with the the film proper? Well, um, I think we had we had made some good headway discussing the uh, the movie itself. I think yeah. uh, we could tie. I I was uh, here's what I'm considering. Yes. Um, and I'm going to have to, you'd have to bear with me a moment. I should have looked it up while you were. Um, I, while the MP3 was playing. While the MP3 was playing. Um, but I'm, I'm blanking on the, do you remember last time we had um, the markers of folk horror? Yes, like that, that article? Yeah, it was, it's a book. I didn't ever think Right, it, right. But yeah. Um, but uh, here we go. So just to recap, this is from uh, Adam Scoville's Folk Horror. And uh, it's uh, his classifications, his, sorry, his criterion for a folk horror yeah. uh, were, um, as discussed last time, were a work that uses folklore either aesthetically or thematically to imbue itself with a sense of the arcane for airy, uncanny, or horrific purposes. A work that presents a clash with such arcania and its presence within close proximity to some form of modernity, often within social parameters, or a work that which creates its own folklore through various forms of popular conscious memory even when it then is young in comparison to more typical folklore antiquarian artifacts the same character so i was wondering i've seen this movie on lists of folk horror before yeah and i was trying to decide if this movie is it, it certainly doesn't feel as overtly folk horror right as some of the other stuff we do i will say that um i think what my quote it does meet the first and the third criteria yeah. in some so was just a, what were my i think I, you had, I, you had woods, I yours were at least woods and devil shit. Yeah, yours, yours, yeah. And you, I don't think the things you said were wrong, but I think that 
They were maybe like, too narrow. Even if they were a little, little jokey. I, I don't like. They were. I think they were weren't, weren't inaccurate. They were just yeah, too narrow. Like, like there's movies that have like they don't need the devil shit specifically because like the Wicker Man doesn't have devil shit. Right, and so and the Wicker Man's like the theme of the folk horror movie. Right, and where I like to like actually write right. a book about it, devil shit in terms means like a larger arcane force yeah. that is at the center of like the antagonist. Yeah. I also, I also, I think there's something to be said that doesn't need the wood stuff, right? But I'm not, uh, I don't have as ready of an example as like a urban folk horror thing, right? But I've, I bet there would, there is one. I and I would, and I would say if I wasn't being a jokey asshole, yeah, that the woods represent a a nearby unknown. Yeah, and I, I wasn't, uh, I'm not, I didn't mean to imply that your list was like a serious thing that you. <laughs> I mean, I understood that you were saying it as a joke at the time, right? Right, I, I, but it has a joke with some truth to it, right? I, I agree. And I can further. I think if I further elaborate the concepts out, it wouldn't be too different than what no. he had written. No, I don't. I think so. I mean, he's written at great length here. All right. Um, I think to some extent, the idea of the woods representing very nearby isolation. Yeah, to me, to me, like the thing about folk horror that's the most important is is going backwards. Is like an outsider coming into a place. Yeah. Worth like, it doesn't have to be. I think that might have been my last one was like an outsider. It might have been. A place where it doesn't have to be necessarily a time in the past, but it's sort of a different place. Right. And that place has its own rules, which are either, you know, from real folklore or there's something, some internal logic there, like that, uh, uh, even that like, the clash there is what creates the horror. Even like, um, to some extent, I mean, I'm describing Alice in Wonderland right now. I was going to say, strange, but like, well, and what I was thinking is, like, even to some extent, like the works that David Lynch used this idea. Yeah, where yeah, definitely that's true. It's very much like there is this underbelly, this this underbelly of culture mm-hmm. within just modern America. Yeah, I think that I think that Twin Peaks is, and by that definition I just gave, I think is folk horror. Right. I don't know that it actually is folk horror. Right. My, my I was thinking was like what drew me to it was the idea was Blue Velvet. Mm-hmm. But same idea. Yeah. Like the underbelly of suburban, where like there is this clear social structure that exists, and it's There's, just like yeah. a step away from our, you know, our our civilized modern society. Right, right. I think that's absolutely true. I agree one hundred percent. I think full car is maybe just like a, it. It has like a different flavor to it, maybe. Yeah, I mean the the movies that define it are, have like a very like are very like specifically like. Uh, of a place you know right. like of, of, a, of a they have a certain aesthetic i was gonna say two of them are specifically southern england and, <laughs> and you know um with the wicker man's that island of, off the coast of scotland yeah but uh i think i think they're very rooted in the english countryside they're very rooted in the english countryside i don't i think there's movies that approximate that without being rooted in the english countryside and i so i think there's like it's more like like all whenever you try to classify anything into anything you find it's like impossible. Is Hot Fuzz folk horror? Yeah, I mean, why? <laughs> well, no, because it's not a horror movie, right? <laughs> right, but but yeah, I mean, it does even has a it has a shadow society, a cabal. Yes, it's it's you know, principle is the English countryside and the yeah, I an mean, outsider it, coming into it him. does it does sort of circle. I think intentionally. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they, yeah. you know, Edgar Wright or whoever had. I mean, the, had the, seen the Wicker Man and was like, let's do sign up kind of like the Wicker Man meets Bad Boys Two or whatever. Right. I mean, it, Shaun of the Dead is 
a potentially very like comedy slash horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I see, I don't, I guess I'm not familiar enough with like mainstream English movies to know how much other stuff there is, right? That like they could be derived from, but I, I can see a line from The Wicker Man to that, no problem, right? Especially Top Fuzz, yeah. Um, but I don't think it's a horror movie, so I don't think it qualifies no, as no, folk right. horror, folk comedy. <laughs> Yeah, it's a folk, folk, folk action. Folk action. Folk action comedy. <laughs> that that very specific genre. Huh. Half is a great movie, and it, but again, it's a movie that completely defies genre. How many movies are in the folk action genre? Yeah, no, nah. um, the Kill List. So at least one. Okay, I don't know what that movie is. <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, it's by Ben Whaley. He did a he did a Field in England too, which is like that sounds familiar. A very folk horror movie. Okay, what when was that made? way after it's like 2003 oh, okay it's very good you should definitely watch it all right if we ever do like uh, golden age horror 2 and we do like whatever we want then the golden horror patreon yeah. where we use it to cheat the rules yeah i feel it ain't going to be like a good companion piece yeah i think i think we we'll use use that uh additional time to do companion pieces or things like that i i, I mean i personally i like the idea of companion pieces yeah i was thinking tangentially related oh this is kind of hot related because we usually do those check-ins there was a. They recently started re-releasing, the Drifting Classroom. I don't know what that is. It's a comic. Okay. I'm trying to. I want to. I just want to get the time period because it looks old, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's like okay, it's from. It looks like it's from the 70s because it is from the 70s. Mm-hmm. But um, they re- and like fan big, big old hardcovers. I think largely because like Junji Ito has become very popular. Yeah. I started seeing it. Is it is it by? Uh, it's no, it's not. But it's same idea. But it no, it's like it's a, but it's older Japanese horror. Okay. So I think, and they're releasing like because they release all, of, at least Viz does put all his stuff out in like big, like prestige hardcovers. Yeah. With like nice paper and everything, and this is what those are being released in. They're being like basically being released in like two nice thick hardcovers. Anyway, it's about um. You know the, the comic The Woods? Is that Warren It's Ellis fairly re- no, it's fairly recent. No, that's The Trees. Okay. The um, The Woods is James Tynan the 4th. Yeah, I think I might have read one of those. It's like literally about like uh they get stuck in the woods, right? But it's like a post-apocalyptic thing. No, like so basically the, trees? The, the two the, the two things, the two things have a very similar premise which is a school, like an entire school, yep. gets mis- teleports like a harsh alien landscape. That you're talking about the two things being the drifting, the in the drifting, drifting classroom, classroom, yeah. Gotcha. But so they're very thematically similar. Yeah, I did definitely read the first trade of that. But they're like, that's like kind of where the similarities end. Okay. So I was thinking a lot about the idea of like, like so these sort of like sibling series mm-hmm. that have similar concepts but are different in like almost entirely every other way, and I, that's why I like the idea of doing companion pieces. Yeah, I I, I also like it because. Well, I like it just because it's like, especially when this particular series, but all throughout this, there's movies that I think would make nice. Like Blood on Satan's Claw and The Witch. Yeah, right. And not even, and sometimes it's just a matter of like the, Frank, the Bride of Frankenstein and The Bride, like something silly we could watch. Right. You know, that, that, um, or, um, I guess we could probably, I don't know when the Rocky Horror Picture Champ came out, but I think maybe something like that and the Pit of the Paradise. You okay. Know, like, yeah. Or I guess you do like Repo in the Pit of the Paradise or whatever. Yeah. Or another Brian De Palma movie. Repo and Repo Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
there's lots of like ways you could do that but if you just have a companion piece for every movie yeah. didn't brian defalman didn't he also do like scarface yeah okay he's done lots of movies yeah he did scarface he did uh i think i was touchables right i think i associated with crime like that era of crime film like yeah. gangster movies oh yeah i guess i mean he only really i think he only scarface is just I, scarface is a lot different than like casino and goodfellas right i think it's just like because it became so popular that it it sort of dominated like what hit what defined his work yeah and it's the same kind of people like those movies that like scarface scarface is not really like those movies that much but no kind of is in in some respects yeah this but this isn't golden age of gangster (laughs) film no and i've got really not much to say about those movies frankly he does they narrate a lot in goodfellas what's that they narrate a lot yeah. Films. yeah like it's already been enough said you're like yeah i'm a wise guy everyone wants to be a wise guy so have you read the drift you read the drifting classroom i've read the first chunk first that's out yeah they just released so i'm actually i'm actually good to talk about uh um uh, what i've done what i've read that's read or what i've um what do you call it consumed yes yeah. so that's, I guess if we're, while we're talking about that, I, I know I've been looking for a word for that that's not consumed. Yeah. Because I don't like that word. No, I don't either. But it's like people understand what it means. I, I'm, I I, I've been leaning towards experienced. Yeah, experienced is... It, but it sounds a little too like saying graphic novel. Yep. <laughs> I, that's why I prefer to use the least pretentious version of right. the term. That's why I would to consumed. But consumed also just feels like I'm about to say content right after that, which right. makes me sick to my stomach. So I don't know what the best. It, it feels like you're looking for new ways to binge something. Like, how can I watch five episodes of something at once so I can watch it as fast as possible? I don't think it's explicitly a horror movie, but when I watched it, I was like, "Oh, this is sort of hor- this." It was, if not a horror movie, it was very horrifying. And that's the Peter Greenaway movie, "The Cook, the Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover." All right, which is, uh, I think, it's in the Criterion Channel right now. They have the whole Peter Greenaway collection. And it's sort of a um, uh, Jacobian, Jacob, Jacobian. How do you say it? I don't know what you're trying to say. No, like like uh, sort of a uh, Grand Guignol Jacobian revenge movie. Okay, but um, it's a uh, super um, stylized. It stars Michael Gambon and Helen Mirren, and it's very upsetting. And uh, I do recommend it. <laughs> It sounds like I um I bought Kaiden. Oh yeah, yeah. Recently, that's a good movie. movie fucking is great. I love that movie. I actually didn't realize until I like looked at my the, my Criterion collection that I had bought like a lot of horror movies. There's a lot of good horror movies, There's, especially if you really like uh, or I mean, movies. I mean, like my recent like oh my recent you know flash sale purchases. Yeah, like what um like what. I had gotten. I think you're going to look at it right now, aren't you? What? I don't know. I thought I was looking at quite for a second. I clicked off. I can't see your what you bought in Criterion Collection. Um, did you tweet it or something? I, I did, like a while ago. That's why. I mean, I can look at it faster than you can. Or can you? No, probably not, because it was probably the last thing I did. There we go. Found so, it. So it was, it was like, yeah. So it was don't like look now, personal shopper. That's kind of a harm, isn't that like a ghost story? Yeah. Yeah. Quieten. And then I'm Slacker, like, Strange of the Paradise. Yeah, yeah. Then I was like, Oh, half of these are horror, more than half of these are horror movies. Yeah. I mean, don't look back. I immediately approached me so we could watch it later. Mm-hmm. And that was the only one I hadn't seen yet. But 
We can get out of here now. You're back to business. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so like this, like the, clearly doing this podcast has influenced me towards, I was trying to find that other director. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, we, we just spend, you know, a couple hours a month talking about horror movies. Yeah. It's about to seep into your brain in weird ways. Right. And I think I had always liked the aesthetic, but it's like there was, there was just, I hadn't found the right ones yet. I think at one point, at some point we got to figure out, uh, like a theory of the case on why horror movies have, I mean, it's, I guess it's not true exclusively because I literally just named a movie that's like probably one of the most aesthetic movies I've ever seen. It's not really a horror movie. Yeah. Although it does have like a pretty nasty uh, ending and a lot of horrible stuff happens in the movie. Right. Um, but like if you you think about some of the horror movies you think about some of the there's like a a trend of strong asceticism not asceticism aestheticism yes different things different things throughout like um, you know like Suspiria for example it's a movie that prizes aesthetics over anything or even like I posted um, like we had a Slack discussion I posted a gif and it was like of like the Haxon yeah, it's from like the twenties. It looks great. Haxon looks awesome. Uh, we could actually watch Haxon for the series. I think uh, it's it's a silent movie, but it's not. Um, it's not like I'm, I've seen it. It's not slow. Right. It's not like one of those uh, like greed or something that's like nine hours long and hard to watch. It's it's uh, it's like a pseudo documentary of like which find which hunting. Yeah, and it's like it's like a fake history of witchcraft presented okay. as a, presented right, but I don't think it was it wasn't presented as fake. It just is fake because it's made up. They made it up as they went, but I think it was presented as real. Like it's based on the Malleus Maleficarum or whatever the witch hammer. Okay, the, that fake witch hunting witch hunting manual from the you know like seventeen hundreds. Right. It's, it's a real book that was by a well, witches aren't real. Real witch hunter <laughs> on how he found real witches. Right, um, but um. There's actually, I, th- I remember watching that movie. There's actually a legit scary part in that movie. Okay. So, or at least uh, scary in like an upsetting sense. Okay. Like it's not, you're not surprised or shocked, but you're like, ooh, boy. Something didn't come out of a corner. Yeah. No, it's not a, not a jump scare. That's not what I mean. Yeah. So, like, what draws a strong. I, I think a lot of it has to do with like a natural bend towards the fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I think fantasy probably naturally has a larger focus on aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Probably definitely lends a lot to that. And I think it's, well, horror is a lot of us setting up, wordlessly setting up atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which means you need a strong sense of visual design and in some cases audio design. Yeah, I suppose that it's actually a very reasonable answer yes and you're looking to find something visually pleasing in the macabre it's kind of like how hannibal had like a certain beauty to it mm-hmm. well, the, the yeah. television series i mean that's that's a good example of what i'm talking about actually because it's so explicitly um like violent designed. and grotesque but it's also with a very intentional beauty mm-hmm. yeah and i, I know I didn't watch the, I didn't watch all that show, but I've seen enough of it to know what you're talking to about. To see like angel flap wings and yeah, so that's like a second episode or something. Yeah, it's I super see. gross, but it's also yeah. 
very strong aesthetics. But also that that like director, that showrunner also has just a, you know, they, what's it called? Pushing Daisies also has a strong sense of aesthetics. Right, it's not unique to his horror stuff. Yeah, it's unique to his sort of his visual style. That's, that's why I wonder if I'm if I'm miss um, like if if horror really does have a stronger aesthetic than other movies, or if I'm just like I watch so many horror movies that I like. You notice I'm a it, bit confused. <laughs> you just tend to notice it. Yeah, yeah, because I don't. Well, out of the over the, you know, every five movies I watch, three of them are horror movies. So like. Right, and if the other movies you watch aren't like, yeah, I might it just I'm more likely to notice more aesthetic horror movies than I am other movies. Right, and if if the other ones are like large blockbusters or sort of like other things that don't necessarily lend themselves to like a strong aesthetic design, mm-hmm. you might say, oh, well, horror movies are full of aesthetic because all these movies are full of great. All these other horror movies I'm watching have great aesthetics, but when you're not watching, I was hoping we come up with something. Um... A word, a phrase, some, something like uh, some combination of like beauty, uh, you know, like the monster needs to be beautiful before it becomes horrible or something. I don't know. So there's some, I'm sure there's some, um, you know, Susan Sontag essay or something about about that that I'm not aware of. But um, you know, some some a real critical have already and codified this feeling that I'm trying to. I, I mean, the thing is, to some people, to some extent, people identify with like to some extent i think some of the people who make these kind of movies have like an identification with the monsters mm-hmm. have a sense of being like the outsider mm-hmm. so it engenders sort of like an empathy for the monster so a larger sense to design it with a more careful care to sort of evoke humanity within the inhuman can create sort of an interesting design opportunity as opposed to simply creating purely a monster. I think some some of the people just like cool monsters and like drawing cool monsters, you know? I I like both cool monsters and... I think, you know, to harp on, to mention once again, I'm probably, you know, one of my favorite modern directors, I think Del Toro... Yes, famous famous Hellboy two director. Famous Hellboy two director <laughs> Guillermo del Toro has a lot of empathy for his monsters. And then, what are you looking at? I'm looking for a movie for next time. I yeah. just want, I want to see if it was. But you continue. I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying. I know. I you just looked had a very confused look on your face. I, I just looked. I'm looking at this DVD cover and I'm thinking. There's no way that plays in my DVD player. <laughs> Region 7? This looks foreign to me. That um, might be a streaming thing or something. Right. So I think, you know, it tends to add more care to the monster design, but it also just like thinks monsters look cool. So he makes cool looking monsters. And I think I've sort of like, that's my description of monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that almost that he's he's not he's a he's a good another good example of what I was trying to say though. Um, Pan's Labyrinth is full of these beautiful things. Yeah, that are like it's almost like they're scary because they're beautiful, right? Or something. There's something about that relationship, which. 
makes them both more beautiful and more frightening. Yeah. And I don't know. I guess I'll have to like do some mushrooms and go to the desert and come back with a fully formed thought. Well, I think I'm, but I don't, I don't quite have it in my head yet. His, you know, works in general. If you, I think partially it has to come across. You have to actually see them to recognize this, but they're very clear definitions of the man is the real monster. Even if there are horrific monsters in the films, mm-hmm. in all of the, in all of his movies, the monster at the end of it all is the humans around them, not the pale. I mean, the pale man is also a monster. But I was thinking of the devil's backbone with the ghosts, where the ghosts aren't the monsters. Anyway, I. <laughs> this isn't a podcast where we we'll be talking about how I <laughs> own all of Del Toro's horror movies on Criterion Collection because I like them a lot. Yeah, all of the movies, and I, I even really like Crimson Peak. I like, I really like Crimson. Honestly, I, people, I, I understand. I understand. It's not probably not. It's not as good as The Devil's Backbone or no. Pan's Labyrinth, right? But it's you know it's better than it's better than Pacific Rim. I like Pacific yeah. Rim, but it's better than Pacific Rim. It's yeah, better than Hellboy and Hellboy Two. People, I remember someone's original back when it came out, or like back when it came out, like out of like on its home release. Someone said to think of it as like a love story, not like a horror film. Mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's very it's super like you know it's his, it's he read he loves the jane Eyre, you know? right it's it's very like gothic romance horror i mean he it's you know he's and it's gorgeous it's normal to toro so he's gonna have someone getting their cheek poked or whatever but right like but it also looks great it's very very beautiful movie just like uh. so listen we've been going for a while now i think we gotta start Aiming towards the end here. Start. Oh, you know what we should aim for first of all. What's that? Our favorite bit of the podcast that we do every week, every month. Oh right, the um, the segment, the part where we like talk about how we need to plug the Facebook. No, 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 no. This is the pre-plug segment. Okay, the pre-plugs. You know, you know the pre-plugs, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not only am I a client, I'm also the owner of oh, the pre-plugs. Yeah. <laughs> well, then why don't you kick off the segment this month, fucking smart guy? <laughs> Since you want to jump all over my intro. Did I jump all over your intro? You're, you're doing it. <laughs> so tell me, Matt, lead me into the to the segment this week, this month. Um, so I was working in the lab late one night. Tell me about it. My, with my eyes, I beheld mm-hmm. a scary sight. What was that sight? A monster from his slab began to rise. Tell me, tell me, continue. And suddenly, to my surprise, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he did the mash. What kind of mash? The monster mash. Oh, okay. What kind of? Well, it was a graveyard smash. Immediately? It caught on in a flash. Oh, shit. I can't believe it. <laughs> this is like, wow, this is viral overnight. Yeah. Yep. Was that the it? Well, um, for my <laughs> laboratory in the Castle East... To the master bedroom of the vampire's feet. Okay, I get, I get it. The you, ghouls all your house is big. <laughs> to get a jolt for my electrodes. Listen, I, I know you. I'm not sure. I know you don't know what you're doing in your basement. I didn't know you had electrodes down there. You should show me sometime. Is this going somewhere? Are you timing out your next line? What I'm happens? Just, this is a slam. I'm a slam poetry. Yeah, yeah, I know. What's this is two person slam. This is back and forth slam poetry yeah. that we do. Yeah. Our our constant segment. Jive talking. Our back foot slampo. Yeah. Alright. So that I think that covers our Bofo Slampo, as we call it. <laughs> Bofo Slampo. And that's this month's Bofo Slampo. 
Oh, now we got there eventually. That's the best part. We always get there eventually. <laughs> so now is our favorite part. No, that's not right. That's encouraging on someone else's bit. Now to the plug section, the the bit section. The let's get into the business. Yeah, I mean, there's not much business to get into. Uh, www.goldenhr.com mm-hmm. is where you should go. Uh, if you don't want to miss an episode, um, there's your podcatcher slash RSS feed stuff. Yeah. Subscribe to one of those. There's also a mailing list. Andrew handcrafts them every month. You should, Or you could make a script that just constantly refreshes Golden Age Horror, and when there's a new MP3 file, it just automatically plays it. Can you do that? Could you do that? Um I think that probably there'd be some sort of DDoS protection that would kick in at some uh, point. Yeah, yeah. What if you only get it like every like two hours? Well, it's just a really inefficient way of checking like- an RSS feed. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the uh, you know the MP3 files don't live on GoldenHR.com. Oh, yes. They live on a static file host. So you would never know. Well, you would you could know and be like, oh, the HTML is different this time. Uh, play the play- you know you have to be like you have to figure out the selector. You'd be like so. What you're saying is you use a podcatcher. Yeah, I would. <laughs> use a podcast app. Use Apple Podcasts. As, as someone who frequently builds elaborate... Google Play Podcast. Elaborate... Stitcher Podcasts. Elaborate technology solutions to solve things because an app doesn't do something slightly the way I want it to do. I would still use an RSS feed. Is Stitcher a catch-all? Or, it, or Stitcher, I believe you or can... Or is it only premium? Uh, we're on Stitcher. So. Okay. Um, can, we do, can we do Stitcher Premium without the ads? I don't... I think so. I don't even know how Stitcher works. I just know how you can submit a podcast to it, so I did it. Okay. Because it seemed to be something people were doing. I use it around... I mean, I use a different podcast app, but I, I'm signed up for their service because I like to listen to oh, okay. comedy backlog, backlogs of Earwolf podcasts. Cool. Yeah, I listen to the Marvel uh, podcasts, actually, because they're pretty good. I've, I've been to the audio dramas. The Long Night? The Long Night and the second one. I, yeah, I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, the two Wolverine ones. Oh, they're pretty good. I mean... They're medium as far as the podcast listen to, but um, I like I like the audio drama aspect of it. Okay, I've been I haven't listened to audio dramas. I feel like I've been burned heavily by audio dramas in the past. There's also a really good one. Uh, actually, well, I mentioned the subject of audio dramas before. I forget the um, there was one that BBC made last year called The Case of Charles Dexter Ward, based on the Lovecraft story. I don't know if I've recommended this in this podcast before. I don't think so. Uh, and it was very good. It was. Um, it's similar to uh, the Black Tapes podcast. Oh, so it's, but it's bad. <laughs> but it was good. Like it was like what if a professional had made the Black Tapes podcast? What like, if a professional a professional writer had written a story with a beginning, middle, and end, and they made a Black Tapes podcast about it rather than just whatever they're doing over well, there? What if the Black Tapes podcast wasn't just like and they have actual actors doing the voices? Was it just constantly ending on a cliffhanger? Yeah, no, it's not like that. There are some cliffhangers, but um, it, and didn't seem to resolve anything. It just seemed to always move forward. The, it's a lot better than, but it's it, it, like as far as like what it is like. Yeah, it's it like is, it's like a bad podcast but good. Right. Well, it, <laughs> can we no. is, is, is it, can we start a podcast feud to get better attention? <laughs> we spent so long shit talking a, a specific podcast by name. What? Huh? Case of Charles Dexter Ward. Yeah, that sounds good. And it's, then there's a sequel coming out very soon called The Whisperer in Darkness. Okay. And there's, these are these are based on the Lovecraft story but they're not um, direct adaptations right so if you like if you listen to those podcasts and you like them go to Golden Age Horror Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and you rate it five stars say thanks for the cool rec guys 
Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, yeah, rate us five stars. That'd be good. Yeah. So every so if you happen to like anything we plug from now on, anything we that someone else made, go to, go to Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars. Tell us, hey, great recommendation on that, guys. Or if you just like our podcast, I'm saying what I'm saying. Go into the podcast, give it five stars. Mm-hmm. Don't give anything less than five stars. You don't need to. There's really no. Just don't even bother. You don't gain anything from it. You don't get any cookies in the mail if you give something less than five stars. And write it, <laughs> write on it a piece of short horror fiction. Yeah, I definitely should write the horror fiction, and then uh, it would be helpful if you either tweeted at us or emailed me at matt at uh, matt at goldenagehorror.com. Yeah, and then we will perform it, and then we will perform it. We'll do a live. Um, I I think we should. Each, I think we should each record our own, play them to each other, play them at the same time. <laughs> Each record our own. Don't tell anyone. Then you splice them in later. Um, yeah, I'll, I would. I would. I would love that. See our own personal takes make, on it. That would make my day. Um, you could follow. Uh, yeah, like I said, best best thing to do is subscribe RSS feed or yeah. on the mailing list. If you are a person who enjoys the social medias, um, my Twitter account, uh, the Water Method, and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash All God This Here. Also, auto will post the new episode when it comes out. Yeah, I've been looking into writing this month's um, newsletter because mm-hmm. I've been because I I picked up my recommendation early on, and let me just say, folk, Doom Folk. Okay, hey, is it uh, Wolves in the Throne Room? Is that what you're? No, no, I'm talking about Doom Folk. Okay, yeah, there's there. I don't know. Maybe there are multiple bands in that genre. There's only one that I think of. There's lots of um, bands in that genre, actually. Okay, but. Um, interested to see what you recommend. I guess um, Wolves in the Throne aren't really Doom. They're folk, but they're more like black folk, right? Black metal folk or death metal. See, folk. this has no metal in it. This yeah. is this is like folk, but like apocalyptic folk, hmm. where it's where there's it's not metal at all. It's only folk. There are there are multiple. I've definitely seen multiple bands. Okay, cool. That. But I'm not shooting on your premise at all. I'm just saying, no, no. I'm just saying there are other bands probably. Yeah. Which is not surprising. But it's a narrow genre. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. We're, we're still talking about something pretty specific. Um, well, I feel like we barely talked about the movie this week. I think we talked about it actually quite a lot. Okay. Um, we just found a lot of side roads. Hmm. I guess we didn't talk about some of the... Like, we didn't talk about it in the same way that we... We hit a lot of, like, broad thematic strokes, I think, more often. Because mm-hmm. I think the, the play-by-play of the film was not that interesting. There weren't, besides like the goat man sitting on the rock, that was like, there weren't that, that many. That was the real high point. Of the movie. Right. There weren't that many like good visual things that we could lean on. Anyway, so let's not get back into the movie though. I was, right. just, I was just saying a feeling that I had. What I'm saying, average film leads to average discussion. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, you, like I said, you can follow me at the water method or Andrew at Pizza Pranks. Andrew's website is pizzapranks.itch.io. Yeah, it is. Anything new to report on the pizza pr- pranks front? No, I've been. Sometimes I go into kind of um, catatonia. Yeah, where I where I go into I consume other people's content. Yeah, you can't make bricks without clay, as the man says. Yeah, and I'm making a lot of clay. Yeah, it's pooping. It's talking about pooping. <laughs> it's how I make games, dude. I just poop, poop them out. Uh, then I just take it and I mold it into a design doc. This makes a horrible mess. <laughs> But a very good design doc. Is it? Works for me, buddy. You just, I like you were just doing the Wilbur Waitley thing with your hands. <laughs> but I think it's actually the Aleister Crowley thing now that I think about it. Doesn't he do that? No, he does. Yeah, he does that. 
Sorry. He's very he's very good. <laughs> good for podcasts. No. I mean, even saying visual gags are good for podcasts is a very overwrought <laughs> podcast thing. Well, stop doing visual gags in your podcasts, everybody. Yeah. He's doing the... Um, Google www.andrewdoesalistaircrowley.com uh, in your search bar. What about this one? That's a that's that's Give a great callback. The zombies group. Yeah, bringing it all back. I, I would the white, white zombie is one of the movies I watched most frequently in my life. I don't know what that is for me. There's some movies I go back to over and over again, and White Zombie is one of those movies, mainly because so it's so good. And well, go Harbor Master websites. I'm trying to bring us back. <laughs> well, Web City Welling. Well, Well City Webbing. <laughs> If you have any web design and development needs, go to whalingcityweb.com. Oh, so close. Um, gladly uh, do any kind of web design, web design, web development, JavaScripting, CSS, systems integration, HTML. Like that. HTML. I, I can certainly do HTML, JavaScript, CSS. I want some drop. Can I put you can I put drop down menus on my website? Absolutely. I don't know why I'd want that, but I can, can I put a can I put a flashing guy that says construction on my website? I would love to do that for you. <laughs> I will get. I'll do that for free. If you want a construction guy on your website, I'll do that for free. Can you make? Can Can you give me a Starfield background and auto playing MIDI version of Lincoln Park? All websites should have that. Like a park song. Yeah, it's called In the End. Uh, does it even matter? Not really. Um, I often feel bad for the generation of people who didn't experience. There's a lot of movement trying to get that back, but... Auto-playing middies. Auto-playing middies or something else. I mean, I actually think that's probably a good thing that we don't let videos auto... You know, video Movies auto-play anymore. Videos and audio. Right, because they'd be playing fucking bullshit full-screen car ads. <laughs> where the car zooms across my screen. <laughs> but if someone was playing, like... You mean a immersive, uh, consumer-friendly experience. But if my cursor was, like, a custom cartoon character... Uh, that's still readily available. <laughs> that is a CSS property you can set. People just frown on it for some reason. <laughs> and in the background, you can set that cursor to be any image you want, my friend. <laughs> and in the background, it started auto playing a MIDI. Yeah, you can't auto play a MIDI though. The browsers don't let you do that anymore. Why do we have the internet? You actually can't even play MIDI on your browser anymore. That sucks, dude. You can convert it to an MP3. Yeah. I follow one of the few one of the few blogs I still follow on Tumblr is one that just posts midis. Well, they're not actually posting midis. They're posting MP3s of MIDI yeah. recordings. Yeah, because believe me, I listen to me. I tried to make a website probably three years ago without playing MIDI on it. Yeah, and I went. I really, really tried hard to have an actual MIDI playing on this website, <laughs> and I could not do it. I don't. I'm sure there's a way to do it. Maybe someone's better at you know like WebAssembly than me can do it. But right. like. It's not easy. What I settled on was MP3 of MIDI because that seemed like a much more reasonable solution than any of the other things I was trying to figure out. Yeah. So our theme music is Swan Lake Dub by Dubology. Yeah. Uh, next month, I think we're going to do Curse of the Demon or Night of the Demon. Okay. I think uh, that's a uh, the same movie. They just One of those is what they called it in America. One of those is what they called it in the UK. Okay. But we're going to do, uh, try to watch the British cut because it's longer and probably better. All right. Because just, I just don't, I just, that's yeah. just the way I feel. And, uh, it's an ad, but anyway. And close it out with Andrew's MIDI corner. I recommend the MIDI of Green Sleeves on Wikipedia. I think it's pretty good. I bet it is. It's, it's a favorite MP3. It's a favorite MIDI of mine. 
personally? I'll play my favorite MIDI as soon as the okay. podcast is over. Um, you gotta pay if you want premium MIDI playing yeah, content. Yeah, if you send me five dollars, I'll send you the URL of this website. That I'm Sign up about. to our ten dollar Patreon tier and join our specific our special MIDI podcast where we just talk about our favorite MIDIs. All right, so thanks for listening. Please go to www.goldenhr.com and check out all. Tell this your friends. Stuff. Tell your friends.